Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. If you're a fan of football biographies, chances are you'll have read Rui Castro's 2004 biography of Garincha, The Triumph and Tragedy of Brazil's Forgotten Hero. If you haven't, make it your next stop. It is an astonishing, idiosyncratic tale of a man who overcomes physical disability to win the World Cup and become one of the most iconic Brazilian footballers of all time. It is also a bonker story of a man who lost his virginity to a goat and fathered enough children to fill a football team and a subs bench. Brazil-based journalist Andrew Downey translated Castro's book into English for its UK publication in 2004. This is his insight into one of the craziest football books ever written. Andrew, just to talk about Garincha, um, which was a, a classic um, biography that came out in the UK um, probably about 2004. I remember it well. The book created quite a big buzz. I know it sold pretty well, but I know that you were heavily involved in the process. Tell us a little bit about it, because you translated it, but did you kind of initiate the process of getting it translated into English? Is that right? Yeah, around that time, at the beginning of the 2000s, uh, I was quite friendly with Alex Bellos, who he was a Guardian correspondent in Rio, and I was a correspondent in Rio at the same time. And Alex actually had this idea about translating the Garincha book and asked some publishers if they were interested and nobody was really interested. And soon after, Alex wrote his classic book, you know, Football, Brazilian Way of Life, which is about the, the culture of Brazilian football. And it's a real, it's a fantastic book. So he had dropped the, the Garincha project. And, and so I took it up. I was convinced that there should be an interest because I knew, I'd read the book in Portuguese. I knew it was a, Garincha was a fascinating, fascinating character. So I went to London and, you know, got a publisher interested and just took it from there. I mean, was it a difficult translation? I mean, it's quite an eccentric, it's quite an idiosyncratic book. The, the book is actually a, quite a bit, no, it's a wee bit longer in Portuguese than it was in English. We, they, they asked me to cut it down a bit because there's, you know, so many idiosyncrasies that are not really relevant and just, you know, wouldn't have made much sense in English. And But yeah, it's a book... The, the author, Rui Castro, is is well very well-known in Brazil. He's a very well-known journalist, and he's a particularly well-known biographer. And most of the biographies and most of the books he's written have been about figures from the 50s and 60s. He wrote a book about Nelson Rodriguez, who was a famous uh, journalist and playwright. Uh, he wrote a book about Carmen Miranda. He wrote a book about Chateaubriand, who was a famous newspaper publisher. And he he's written a couple of books about Brazilian music, 
Bossa Nova. He's a big Bossa Nova fan, which you know started in the in the fifties and really grew in the sixties. So he's really well connected in that Rio football personality music world. Uh, the book is kind of written in that whole nineteen sixties style, and there were a few moments where it was where it was it was hard to it was hard to find translations and. There was one particular phrase I always remember this. He he was describing somebody who was drunk, and in Portuguese it was it was uh, nine cachaças above humanity. And I remember discussing this with Hui, and I said, he said, listen, just translate it literally. Just call it nine cachaças above humanity. And I said, I can't do that because it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> and he said, no, no, but it will make sense. People will understand. I said, I'm, right, just, you can't do that. You can't translate books literally. And I, I think I eventually settled on three sheets to the wind. <laughs> <laughs> you know, just because it had a number in it, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but there were quite a few instances of, he would use language that was common in the 50s and 60s, and I had no idea what it meant. And luckily, you know, I had a lot of, you know, Carioca friends, Brazilian friends, and, uh, you know, I was going out with a Brazilian girl at the time, and I would often be on the phone to them, what does this mean? And they would go, didn't have no idea. <laughs> you know, I'll ask my granddad kind of thing. Mm. So the process, it was quite a long process, and it was, uh, and he has a particular way of writing as well. He has a real, you know, short, sharp, florid way of writing. And when I first did the book, and this is also a really clear memory, I had never translated the book before. So I translated the first chapter or two and I took it to him and, and he said, listen, it's all, you know, it's all okay, but I don't recognise my book. And he was right. I, I had basically just translated the meaning rather than the actual, I'd translated the words rather than the meaning and rather than the, rather than the you know, it lacked all the cadence of his phrases and it lacked all that, you know, it lacked Hui Castro. And so, you know, I kind of woke up and I had to go back again and start again. But, uh, you know, I tried then to try and, you know, translate a little bit more of his, of his you know, phrasing and wording because he, you know, he has a, a very particular style. Mm -hmm. So it was a combination of yourself and Alex that kind of recognised the merit of the book and, and how it might be attractive to an English language audience. Yeah. Alex had been in Brazil for a, a wee bit longer than me. And he had read the book as well. And it was him that first brought it to my attention. I can't remember when the book came out. It had been out for a, for, for a few years by the time by the time right. uh, we decided to translate it or I decided to translate it. I mean, and it's such a, it's a bonkers book. I mean, I just reread it um, in, in the last week and some of the stuff I, I'd forgotten about, um, which is astonishing. I mean, there's obviously football in the book, but it's actually, it's just a tale about, a incredibly eccentric guy who almost kind of overcomes like this physical disability because he's got these crooked legs, but he's one of the the greatest footballers in the world. It's it's yeah. I, I I think that we we have the benefit, you know, people like me who live in Brazil and can speak Portuguese. We have this huge advantage compared to somebody who's writing a book about, say, Bobby Moore or you know you know Billy McNeil or you know any equivalent player in the you know. In, in, in the same time in the UK, in that what we what we everything we are reading about and everything we are translating is new. So people know very little about Gahincho or even Socrates. They, they they didn't really know what was going on at the time. You have to deliver that context. But everybody, you know, if you know, everybody knows. Everybody's read about Billy McNeil nineteen sixty seven. Everybody's read about Bobby Moore sixty six. Everybody's read about Graham Sunas at Rangers or whatever. Whereas. Every kind of detail that you're translating about Gahincha from the 50s and 60s and 70s is new and it's also exotic. 
because it's Brazil. And I think that gives gives us the advantage that it gives our our books more impact. That's really exciting as a journalist when you're you're uncovering stuff that's Yeah, you're going through I mean, with Socrates, I would go through. I would go to the. I would go to the the newspaper library and and and, sh- and just flick through newspapers. And you know, first of all, you're. It's it's first of all, it's much better than going to Google, because you know you, you can go to Google and you can read a, you can read a lot of newspaper stories. But when you're actually going through the newspaper, mm. you're seeing what's happening like the day before and the yeah. day after, and you're seeing what's happening at the same time, and you're getting all this other stuff that might be peripheral, peripherally related to your subject or might have no relevance to your subject at all, but it's just interesting because it's of that time. And it's, it was especially true of Socrates because I was reading these newspapers from the 1970s, and it was the dictatorship in Brazil, and I was, and I was wondering, there's a few things that happened, and I was wondering, well, why is this in the newspaper? There was a, a page, as you how newspapers have changed, there was a full page in the Brazilian newspaper about chess. Brazil had a big chess player at the time, he was, he was you know, well drank, but still, a full page, and a broadsheet, about chess is is it's like mind boggling. Even in the, the most erudite newspapers around the world these days, you're lucky to get like a wee quarter corner page. Another thing was I remember going through the seventies and it was the front page was about the gang of four in China. It's like the gang of four are on trial. You know? You know, and you sit there and you you could you could wind your whole life away reading your contemporary accounts of, of these big events. But it's fascinating. And as you say, you know, you're reading these newspapers and you just come across stuff. Mm-hmm. And you just come across another another example was I was reading and when I was doing Socrates reading it was it would have been about 1982 1983 and there was a tiny wee it must have been about three or four or five paragraphs mm-hmm. about Liverpool winning a European Cup a picture of Emlyn Hughes with the European Cup and now European football in Brazil is gets almost as much attention as Brazilian football but back then there would have been about four pages of Brazilian football or two or three pages of Brazilian football, another page about all different sports, another page about racing, and there was, there was this three or four or five paragraphs about the European Cup, which just goes to show you how irrelevant it was to Brazilians at the time, because yeah. there wasn't very many Brazilians playing there, and because Brazilian football, frankly, was better than European football at that point, at that point or at least it's equal. I mean, it's an interesting through line between Garincha to Socrates because there are some similarities in terms of they had these world-class footballing talents but also um, lived life completely on their own terms, very often the expense of, of people around them and also had this ultimately a self-destructive streak. So do, do you recognise that? Do you recognise a kind of through line between the two personalities? Definitely, yeah. Oh, just exactly as you say, great talent, you know, off the field, you know, messy lives. And the other person that you compare them with is George Best. It was, you know, similar sort of thing. You know, just, you know, great talent and just kind of get it together off the field. I don't know if there's a, a, a connection between that or not. I don't know. Some people might say there is, you know, great artistic brilliance and, you know, you can focus everything on that artistic brilliance and kind of, mm. you know, do the day-to-day stuff. I don't know. But it's definitely there's definitely a, a, a great parallel to be drawn between Garincha and, and Socrates. What what about the status of Garincha in Brazil? I mean, we've talked a bit about Socrates and and um, the fact that he broke out of football and he was you know, this kind of statesman like figure to some extent in, in terms of the the battle for um, democracy. But where where does Garincha sit in the the kind of cultural pantheon in, in Brazil? He's right up there with Pele. People who remember seeing Gahinsha and Pelé will say Gahinsha was was as good as Pelé. 
So, you know, he was there in 58, and Brazilians believe that Gahincha won them the cup almost single-handedly in 62 because Pele was out, you know, was out injured after the second game. So, yeah, I mean, when people, when most people will talk about the greats of, the all-time greats of Brazilian football, I mean, Pele, uh, Gahincha is definitely in the, it was in the first team. I think the big difference for today is that there isn't a lot of footage of Gahincha. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, young people today can't go on YouTube and just look at Gahinsha and get an idea how great he was. Mm-hmm. And I think he suffers, you know, maybe when people are rating the greats, I think he maybe suffers because of that. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, Brazilians who saw, who've seen all the greats, you know, Gahinsha is definitely up there in, in the top three. Yeah. I mean, just finally on, on Castro, I mean, obviously a, a very interesting biographer and taking on these other kind of cultural icons and Brazilian society but um, I mean did he live through Garincha because I was wondering where he got a lot of his source material but was he of an age where he probably saw Garincha play live quite a lot yeah he would have been I mean I don't know how old he is he, I, I would guess he's I would guess he's in his 60s maybe mid to late 60s maybe 70 from really? in, in early 70s from what I could think well, he could, well that wouldn't much. surprise me right. so yeah I think he's probably you know he was a guy who he's not even from Rio. He's from Minas Gerais, a neighbouring state, but has lived in Rio most of his life. And he's a big Flamengo fan. But he was one of that that is that generation of Flamengo fans and of football fans in general that you know would go and see whatever team was playing, and you know even though cheered for Flamengo, would go and see Gahincha just because he was Gahincha. Mm-hmm. You know, because he was just so brilliant. I suppose, I mean, people might say the same today about Messi or Cristiano Ronaldo. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can get a ticket and you, you're in the city, you know, if you're in Barcelona, you're not, you know, you're going to go and see Messi when you can because it's, just, you know, because it's just, he was just so great or he's just so great. But that was definitely the case with, 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 with uh, Huy Castro and, and his generation. Thanks to Andrew for doing this interview. Garincha, The Triumph and Tragedy of Brazil's Forgotten Hero is available now in paperback and ebook. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. 
No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.